to Teledyne Advanced Chemistry Systems Tech Talk podcast. Our goal is to bring you useful information and offer solutions for your applications and analytical needs. Teledyne Advanced Chemistry Systems represents a group of companies existing of Teledyne Techmar, Teledyne SeaTech, Teledyne Lehman Lab, and Teledyne Hastings. Welcome to the Tax Talks podcast. I'm Amy Nutter, Technical Product Specialist of the Purge and Drop product line here at Teledyne Techmar. And our guest speaker today is Dr. Mark Badger. He has been employed with ResTech Corporation since 2002. He has had several roles within the organization, ranging from R&D to new product development and technical support, domestic and international sales, and currently holds the position of product manager for GC Accessories. An analytical chemist by training, his academic career was focused on applied hydrocarbon process technology and worked at the Energy Institute at the Pennsylvania State University for six years after obtaining his PhD at Stratfordshire University in the UK. So welcome, Mark. We're very excited. Thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, you're very welcome, Amy. Thank you for inviting me. And it's, sorry, I don't mean to uh, correct you, but it's Staffordshire University. Oh, no, I'm so sorry. Okay. <laughs> In case somebody was listening. Oh, <laughs> yeah. They would be mad at me. And that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> you know, I went to a place called Thomas More University, so... Oh, over here in the U.S., we don't oh. have the we don't get fancy names. <laughs> <laughs> so you're in the uh, GC accessories today. We're going to be talking about GC inlet liners. So could you give us a quick overview, like what is a liner and how does it work? Absolutely. Um, so depending on the type of inlet you have for your GC, you may or may not have an, an inlet liner. Uh, so for the sake of this conversation, let's focus on uh, split splitless uh, inlets for, for GC. And in that application, um, the the, the inlet liner has a, a couple of tasks to do. The first is to act as a means to transfer your sample from however you're inputting into the GC, whether that's a syringe, a transfer line from the purge and trap or the headspace or um, some other gas sampling device. So you, you act as that transfer tube from your where your sample is coming from onto the head of the column. Uh, but in other cases, it can also um, be used as the means to volatilize your sample. If your sample is not already a vapor, as it would be in purge trap, um, if you're injecting the liquid, for example, then you've got to convert that liquid into a gas or vapor, and that gas or vapor is then transferred onto the column for chromatography to happen. During that process as well of introducing a sample, you could be introducing things that you don't want to get onto the GC column. So there are trapping devices, whether that's the, uh, the wall that you see in some liners or some device within the liner that restricts the flow or changes the flow pattern of that, that liquid or vapor getting in there to, to make it difficult for the non-chromatographable material to get onto the head of the column. 
Those devices also aid that volatilization where the most, again, most common would be the wool uh, or cyclo liners or laminar cup flows, things like that. Anything that's going to help convert that liquid into a vapor. That is primarily what the liner does, um, but it can also impart some other things um, that that part of the is the part of the in instrument um, that chromatography can start at whether um, not necessarily the separation but you can certainly bring in degradation um, so you've got to be very careful of your inlet conditions and how that is going to affect the integrity of your analytes uh, moving on through the analysis Okay, so you touched a little bit on kind of wool and other characteristics of the liner. Like, what are other characteristics of the liner, like volume or glass purity? Anything else you can give us on that? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> One of the, the good things and the bad things about our liner product line at Restec is we have a fantastic, we've got a, a, probably the broadest line of, 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 of different liners in our um, product line. The bad thing is customers sometimes don't know which one to choose. Um, people have developed different liner styles over the, the years to meet specific application needs. Uh, volume um, is one of them. Um, obviously, if you are injecting a liquid and you convert that to a vapor, it expands in volume. So you've got to accommodate for that expansion. You can do that in several ways, but certainly you've got to be able to manage that vapor cloud um, you know, and get it moving in the right direction. And that's onto the column. If you have too little of volume to accommodate the size of that vapor cloud, then um, it wants to go the path of least resistance, and that would be back up into the larger volume uh, from the inlet through the septum and into the um, transfer lines or gas lines on the in in the GC, uh, and that phenomenon is called backflash, and you don't want to, that to happen because it's colder up there. You sample can condense and it can condense over time, and then it can release those condensed materials over time. You start to get ghost peaks and contamination, other things, craziness going on. So we got to pay attention to the volume. And the wonderful thing is we have um, backflash or vapor uh, calculators on our websites and things like that to calculate. Um, and you can, you can do that in other uh, ways too. Um, if though you like you are in Persian trap, uh, you already deal with the vapor that's coming through. So you don't have to worry about expansion. So what you need to do there is make sure you get as rapid a transfer of your 
analytes uh, from the transfer tubing onto the head of the column. Now, transfer tubing is a very small ID, stainless steel or fusilica tubing um, going onto a small ID, fusilica tubing or metal tubing too for the DC GC column. So by minimizing the volume, minimizing the ID of the liner there, is is uh, really really important to otherwise you start to get some peak broadening and that's just going to affect the chromatography and uh, sensitivity over time now uh, what you have um in terms of purity again that that is depending on the application if you've got active compounds um sensitive compounds then making the inlet line as pure as possible using good high quality borosilicate or quartz glass having really good deactivation on there and using high quality wool if if needed a quartz wool um all those things and minimizing the number of impurities that are on that surface where you can get some interactions going on um, uh, 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 is, is key to maintaining the integrity of your analytes because certain analytes um, will be sensitive to those impurities. They'll also be sensitive to free silanols or free acidic sites on the uh, inlet liner uh, as well. Um, um, temperature is a, is, a, is a factor of, of that, um, the, the, the rates of reaction um, that's going on. Um, choosing whether to use a, a uh, packing uh, of wool or not, um, but uh, whether you need to have a packing of wool or not to uh, f facilitate that volatilization uh, is key. So you've got to choose sometimes. That. And sometimes a lot of it's trial and error um, that, that goes on. Um, in terms of design, for, for the work that we have done, um, on our inlet liners, which is available on our, our website, choosing the correct liner from there. More than 95% of the time, you can get away with one or two types of liners. Uh, for the split list type analysis, um, a single taper or single gooseneck type uh, liner with wool is great for for the analysis and you'll get you uh, most of the way that you need to be the for your analysis even down to low splits you know up to 20 to 1 split ratio a single taper liner works really well if you're going to go to higher split analysis then having a uh, straight type liner preferably one um, that has some constriction, so a, a precision type liner that our uh, that, that Restex sells um, is going to work um, great for that. But sp specifically talking about your purging trap, we always would recommend at uh, the largest ID would be use a one millimeter liner. You can get away with smaller ID liners, if like choosing a speamy type uh, liner of 0.75 millimeters. And there's the odd older instrument that we still sell um, liners for that have a 0.53 millimeter ID uh, liner too. That's just going to facilitate the much faster transfer um, of your sample. 
uh, onto the head of the column where chromatography is going to start. Cool. And do you treat or deactivate the liners? Is that necessary? Uh, absolutely. Which, is it necessary? Um, that's, that's, a, that's a key thing. For some types of analysis, it's not that necessary because you're not dealing with analytes that are reactive. For example, you're just doing alkane-type analysis. Uh, you, you're not going to... You can, you're not going to notice the fact that you've got good deactivation there. But for the majority of people, you, having a good deactivation uh, is important. Um, the deactivations that companies like Restec have developed uh, are quite sophisticated to, to, to do the full surface coverage and um, to minimize any free uh, acid sites, free silanols that are on that surface of the glass is, is quite important. Multi-step processes using um, vapor deposition pro, uh, protocols to, to, to try and develop that with special end capping. So it sounds like almost like what we're doing is, is some of the, the phase development or one would do for like an LC column is they very similar um, uh, chemical properties that we're trying to to, to handle there but um, it's, it is very important to do that some people I know still deactivate their own liners clean liners that they've done and deactivated with um, deactivations like DMDCS the issue with something like that as, as well as producing um, corrosive and toxic materials as a byproduct of that. It also uh, has a, uh, a decent amount of free acid stuff in there that's difficult to remove, and you don't get as good deactivation as, as something that, like the, the topaz-type deactivation that ResTech has, has, has developed. Um, now, when you are dealing with a splitless type analysis, the residence time of some of those analytes within the liner could be seconds, two, three seconds at the most, where the, the likelihood of potential for reactivity with the surface has increased significantly and therefore the potential to degrade or break down your analytes in one way or another or convert them um, uh, has increased. Now, if you're dealing with something like your purging trap with it, you've got your narrow ID liner and a high split, the residence time within that liner is milliseconds. So the chances of a reactive reaction happening are super, super small. Um, so, um, but you still don't want to risk it. So you may as well get a good deactivated liner. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And as far as the purge and trap analysis, you had just mentioned you want that, you know, small volume, one millimeter volume um, liners. And I yeah. know VOCs don't like glass walls. So would you recommend a tapered or a straight liner for VOC purge and trap analysis? Yeah, it's not that they don't like glass wool. It, it just, it's just not necessary. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, the, what, one of the key things that they said before that wool does, it aids the lateralization. 
you've already got a vapor cloud. It doesn't matter. You don't need to do volatilization. The other thing that wool will do is protect from that non-chromatographable material. You've already got a clean sample coming into the into the inlet already. You've already trapped that in the trap part of the virgin trap. Um, so um, that you just don't need it. So a straight one millimeter or less inlet liner is perfect for Persian trap. Okay, that's good to know and that'll help our customers. And I know a really big topic right now is, you know, using hydrogen as a carrier gas. So is that okay for Restec liners? Uh, absolutely, we um, have had no problem with, with that. Um, all of our uh, GC products that get QC'd, that be GC columns, um, and uh, inlet liners um, all get tested with hydrogen as a carrier gas at, at ResTech. That's the only carrier gas that we have used in the years that we have um, been um, doing making GC for over 35 years, GC products for over 35 years. So um, we see no negative side effects from using hydrogen as a carrier gas whatsoever. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I know we've recently, you know, changed all of our QC to hydrogen as well. And and everything seems to be working out great with that, too. Um, so when you when you first get in a liner, you know, do we want to condition it kind of like you would condition a trap when you get a new trap? You know, um, historically, um, that has has been something you've you've needed to do because of the type of um, deactivation um, that had gone on, um, and, the, and for the odd instrument manufacturer, and I can't say any names or whatever, that, that, that it may be a, a, a good thing to do with the deactivation on um, the Restec liners like Topaz. Um, it's it, we've seen really it's not that necessary that the the amount of um, free or volatile material on the the uh, inlet line after um, it's gone through deactivation protocol is is virtually negligible. That's there. You can't we can't measure it. Put it that way. Um, so it doesn't need to do a, a conditioning on on, on rest, those rest tech liners. However, however, it. You have just gone through a process where you are doing some maintenance on the, the inlet. It may not, it's not necessarily just the inlet liner that you've changed. You've got to change the O-ring. You may change the septum at the same time. Depending on the instrument, you may even uh, look at changing the, the inlet seal um, and do some column trimming. So it's always a good thing to do after you've done inlet maintenance to do a no injection blank of the um, on the GC just to make sure that there isn't some little ghost peak there from some uh, introduced material uh, and uh, you, you wouldn't want to start your analysis and then find you've got a, a problem so it's always a good thing to do it and no injection blank after after maintenance yeah that is but, some really but, good advice yeah. Yeah. You, well you you wouldn't need you don't need to condition a, a line of that's for sure mm -hmm. and what are the temperature limits 
temperature limits. I mean, all the standard things. We we have tested ours up to probably the maximum inlet temperature of around 430 degrees C to see if there um, is uh, has been any effect on the deactivation. And we found that our stuff is is really solid up to those uh, temperatures. It does not affect the deactivation. Um, chemistry uh, going up to those temperatures. Most people in a standard split splits and in, in, uh, inlets are, are not going to go up to those temperatures. 275 at the most, quite likely, maybe even 400, but that's really, really unusual. When you're going up to the like 430 degrees, you tend to be doing some kind of on column type of uh, analysis which doesn't need an inlet liner anyway. So well, we push it beyond its limits and everything's going, um, it's good. All right, that's good to know. Um, and for our customers, you know, they're always looking for troubleshooting tips and, you know, anything they can look out for. So how do you know when it's time to change the liner? It really depends on your application and what your, your um introducing into that inlet liner. We know some uh, customers um, may only get half a dozen injections <laughs> before they have to change the inlet liner because we've injected so much crud onto the, the GC. And you get some people whose analyses are so clean, whether they're using headspace or purging track, Technically, they don't need to change them ever again because they're not getting to a, um, uh, a situation where that is. Um, the key things to look at, for, if you are starting to see uh, loss in sensitivity, loss in certain compounds, changes in some chromatography, that um, a, some a maintenance of the column is not improving and that just changing out the inlet liner does improve, then that was the time. Make a note of how many injections you've gone through or, or the, some of the things that you characteristics of your analysis that you've seen change. And you can preemptively um, uh, change the inlet liner when you're doing some routine maintenance, where, whereas you, you're not having to do a uh, non-routine instrument shutdown and affecting the flow path of your, uh, sorry, your the workflow of your of your lab there. Mm -hmm. That is some really good tips because you know all of us have our little lab notebook next to our mm -hmm. instrument, you know, taking notes whenever we need to. So mm -hmm. that'd be good to write down how many injections you've got on your liner, just so you can maybe predict the next time you might need to change the liner. Absolutely. Um, are there any uh, other there's, tips? There's, oh, well, I was going to say that one of the, the, the key things that we've tried to introduce with the newer range of liners is lot-to-lot uh, lot lot reproducibility, which hasn't been something that's been a focus um, previously, and you may have got differences sometimes even within the same pack of liners but certainly from lot to lot um, we try to um, build in reproducibility so it's just one less thing customers um, have to, to to worry about yeah absolutely are there any tips for replacing your GC liner 
Um, yeah, well, if you, if you do get into that routine analysis um, type thing, uh, do do so. It's a it's a relatively inexpensive consumable to 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 use. Uh, in most cases, you can get them. Inlet lines are really expensive, but there's a there's a lot of these are handmade. A lot of them are handmade by glass artisans to make some of this. So some of them are really quite fancy. But in most cases, they're really inexpensive. Put them into routine maintenance. The other, other neat things is um, when you're doing sort of maintenance on the inlet. They're little hot devices. Those things have been heated up to 350 degrees C. And you, you, okay, the ends don't reach 350 degrees C. Well, it depends on the instrument manufacturer. Some of them do. But they, they, A, they're going to be too hot. But um, if you try and cool them down to room temperature, unless, unless if you're trying to do quick routine maintenance, keep the instrument up and running as, as, as quickly as possible, or get it up and running as quickly as possible, or minimize the instrument downtime. You want to cool down to a point um, where it's handleable. If you cool down to about 110 degrees Celsius, so you're above the boiling point of water, you're not going to allow for any condensation of, of water vapor um, in the environment. And some people live in much more humid environments, those that's like Florida or Houston in Texas. If you heat it, cool them down to 110, you're not going to introduce any um, um, condensation and some issues there that need to be conditioned out of the inlet before you start the, the next run. Um, but so because it's still warm at that point, then you uh, need to use some tools uh, that are going to aid the uh, safe uh, changing of the liner. We've got a couple of different liner handling tools. Uh, one is this like silicone cap thing that can grab it, or we have the claw, which has got these little pincer uh, uh, devices on there to to pull the line out of the inlet uh, and then allow you to put them back in safely while the, the, the inlet is still warm. And likewise, on the other end, having a, a, a column nut like a hot swap nuts that have a, a cooling device on the, the finger tight fitting that allows you to quite happily uh, um, undo the 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 column nut while it's still hot is gonna uh, gonna help um, there. Um, utilizing the clean packaging that these things come in, um, they, most of them now come in some device where each individual liner is um, separated from the other ones um, to maintain the cleanliness. Uh, that's also really key to to. Uh, not having to condition the ladder, get everything up and running, maintain the cleanliness, not not touching, always wear glove, gloved hands, not getting solvents near any of this sort of stuff is all going to be uh, key to uh, uh, quick um, instrument maintenance, inlet maintenance and get you up and running faster. Yeah, definitely. Everyone wants that minimizing of downtime for sure. Mm -hmm. All right, and just to wrap it up, as a manufacturer, uh, what do you want customers to know about inlet, inlet liners? Any kind of final thoughts? 
Well, and actually, I touched on this this earlier. The one, one of the things is is having that choice, and it being a, a good or a bad thing. So we do do our best to um, easily select types of liners for 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 our manufacturers for the manufacturers that we make. Um, but that can be, you know, it's a good and bad thing that we have that choice. We we at Restech probably have the broadest range of inlet liners of any of the manufacturers out there. We have um, inlet liners available for for most of the the, the GC manufacturers in the world that are, are out there, uh, and the choice within that range is so that we can select. Um, the the correct liner for a customer's application, and if you're still confused, then we've got some wonderful people in our in our technical uh, support group are more than happy to to help select the right uh, uh, liner for you. We have a ton of information, uh, either quick videos, uh, our chromobilography. Um, um, tech tips, tech guides, all on our website to, to choose from. Um, but we, we'd be more than happy just to have a chat and help you out. That's what we're here for. Yeah, that's great. And that's comforting for customers to know as well. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Mark. I'm sure our listeners learned a lot about inlet liners today. And we will include some links on our podcast channel under this episode for some of the useful information that Mark was talking about uh, today. So thanks again for joining me. You're very welcome. I really appreciate this opportunity to have a chat with you and your customers. Yeah, for sure. All right. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Tax Tech Talk podcast. For more information about our products and the solutions we offer, please visit www.teledyneacs.com. If you like this podcast, please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're hearing this show. That way you'll never miss an episode. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again next time.